From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up Presents. Uh, sorry, Teeing It Up Presents. Danny Flecka, hello, Dan. Uh, sorry, hello, Danny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am fine. Good to be back. Good to feel and have a voice uh, ready to be back on radio. Um, big week. Big week coming up here in college football with the Red River rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. But I don't want to start there. I want to start on the pro side. And I want to start with Taylor Swift and the Jets. Um, in all seriousness, put her aside. Did Zach Wilson show any growth to you? Because all the coaches and players are saying, this is a growth week, this is a growth week, now we have Denver, watch out, you know, he's going to have a big game. Did you see enough last week? I saw something better. <laughs> I, I think I can say that, right? Um, you know, 28 of 39, 245, two TDs. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the big fumble that, that prevented, I think, the Jets from possibly having an opportunity to go down and at least, you know, kick a field goal or, or score a touchdown, you know, whatever you want to say. Uh, you know, you don't know what would happen on that drive regardless. I, I think overall he was much better than what he was. Now, we're, we're talking about a guy maybe on a scale of 1 to 10 where his performances were a 2 and he maybe had like a 4 or 5. So it's not like I think that one game now should catapult him into the discussion of we've got our guy or we're comfortable and we're going to reel off some wins here. You know, the Jets still find themselves, I think, in a situation where they have a lot of tough games coming up and they still are one and three. I think the thing that people get short-sighted on is, and we see it every single week, and it's one of the things that's really annoying about following sports in general, I think, nowadays, is there was one time. Let's see if he can do it again. Let's see if he can do it for three games. Let's see if he can do it for the rest of the season. I can't sit here and confidently say that it's going to happen because we haven't seen it and we've seen enough of him, I think, to understand that he is a quarterback that can flash. He has the tools. He has a good arm. He can make most of the throws in the field. But I don't think all the other stuff is there for him. I, I, I don't like his footwork. He still has some lapses in judgment. I, I don't think the playbook is completely open with the Jets. Now, let's see if that changes, though, because one of the things I think that I've been saying and preaching is, like, they need to get Brees Hall the ball. Yeah. They need to let him loose. They need to give him that opportunity to be that workhorse so that they can open things up a little bit. Let's see if that does anything. Um, you know, Zach Wilson was, what, last year? He missed the first two games or three games last year. Yeah. Um, and Brees Hall was with them last year for the first seven games. So let me just take a look at this real quick and see, you know, what the Jets were like last year with those two on the field humming. And they were, I think, four and one or four and two, something like that. Sounds about right. Let's see if that does anything, right? Uh, I think it can. I think it can help alleviate some of the pressure that we have to see from Zach Wilson. I don't know if you want him throwing the ball 35 to 40 times a game. Um, but they haven't really been rushing the ball at all. 
when they have it hasn't been I think coherent because of just the I think the inability to give Reese Hall the, the full go and, and Dalvin Cook doesn't seem to be right now anything special nothing so nothing let, let's see if this changes things I, I think it will help him I, I don't know if we maybe saw the peak of Zach Wilson on Sunday but let's see what he does this weekend let's see what Brees Hall looks like let's see if this team is galvanized a bit by what is, is transpiring because you know there's still an opportunity right for them to make something of this season I think that they have a defense that can do that you know they were in they're going to be in most games with that defense so let's see if I think the evolution of this offense Brees Hall provides any sort of spark and some balance to the team as a whole where Wilson can go to making even higher percentage throws and reads, which I think they will get with Brees Hall eventually becoming that, you know, 15 to 20 touch guy game. Real quick, you, you talked about this with me Sunday night, that you thought that for as great as the Jets offense, sorry, uh, as great as the Jets defense is, there were some glaring issues on Sunday night. What stood out to you? I, I think the Chiefs are not that good. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, it's probably a hot take with you know Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. I don't know offensively if they're they're that good. Um, he still makes some throws that make you scratch your head. Um, I, they don't have that receiving threat, and I think eventually it's going to come back to get them. You know they've gotten by with it so far. They're going to get by with it because Mahomes is that good. But I just don't know if they have that guy that can win for them in the middle of the field when maybe, say, Kelsey is not 100% or if Kelsey's you know, having a bad game. Their run game was really good on, on Sunday, which was surprising. I didn't expect that to yeah. be the case. Yeah, I thought that, that you know, Pacheco and, and the, that entire backfield would be a little bit more checked, but they weren't. Pacheco had a really good game against them, but... I think the Chiefs are still figuring some things out right now. You know, if you ask me if they would be making it that far in the playoffs, I'd say, you know, maybe the championship game. I just don't know if they have that killer instinct on the outside to really take this team to the next level. And last year they didn't either, and they won the Super Bowl. But I also think last year with Juju Smith-Schuster, they had somebody at least, I think, that commanded that presence in the middle of the field. Uh, that opened things up up on the outside, and, and Kelsey had an all-world year, year last year. You know, he's probably going to do it again, but I, I think it's, at some point you're going to run into, I think, a, a team or a defense like we saw in Week One that's not afraid to punch them in the mouth. That will be a big one. Uh, Danny Flecker with us here on uh, teeing it up. Let's let's flip the sides of the, that stadium. Is there anything you want to say about Monday night and and, and in this giant team that I saw none of that game, yet eleven sacks is just unforgivable. Um, where do the Giants go from here this season? I don't know, man. I it's tough watching a team that you would expect to take a step, even if it's a, a small step from last year, take such a giant step backwards. One positive on Sunday, on Monday night, is I thought their defense was a lot better. Uh, I thought that they tackled way better than they did earlier. They got some pass rush. 
Um, they still had some boneheaded mistakes on defense. Their special teams is an absolute disaster right now. Everything other than the field goal kicking is a disaster. I think the thing that it's clear is that in four weeks, they've played two good quarters. They've been outcoached, and here I am every week telling you I trust Dayball, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. I think the thing with the Giants that has caused them issues is that they can't sustain anything early in games, and I feel like they chase the game the entire time. Um, great opening drive against the Seahawks. You get down inside the 30, fourth and one. Go for it with the, the push push as everyone's calling it now. You get stuff, and then that was like the last productive drive until they scored a touchdown late in the third quarter. You can't have that. I, I think that Dave has lost a little bit of the sense of what his team is good at, um, and I think that that transpires from a lot of different areas. Their offensive line is bad. You know, let's just say it; it's bad. Jones either has regressed or just feels so uncomfortable without Barkley back there that he can't do what he wants to do. And the defensive line has been a no-show for the first four weeks. It's not going to get any better anytime soon. I don't expect Barkley back this week. I think he's questionable for next week as well. Andrew Thomas, again, I I think we'd be lucky if we see him before the end of this month. So they're going to have to figure something out here. I still think they can do something this season. And I know it's far-fetched and people want to just throw in the towel on this team. I expected the first six games to be a two-and-four type start. I didn't expect to beat Dallas. I didn't expect to beat San Francisco. don't expect to beat Miami, and I don't expect to beat Buffalo. That Seattle game was a one game I thought, you know, where it was a 50-50 coin toss. And in reality, despite all the mistakes the Giants made on Monday night, it was. But, you know, if anybody that watched that game, it was 14-3 with the Giants driving before the pick six. So the game flipped on that pick six, but it was still one possession type game for most of the game. Where they needed, what concerns me is that they're getting absolutely destroyed. In every single game. There's not really anything positive that's going on. So if they can string together some positive aspects of their game over the next two weeks, then I think they can do something the second half of the season, you know, when they start playing Washington, the Jets, Raiders, etc. If they get blown out two more times and and aren't even competitive and, and Daniel Jones just is, you know, literally eating the grass off the field... I don't think there's anything that this team is going to be able to do that really like salvage their season. Daniel Flecker was uh, here with us on, on uh, Teeing It Up, and it's sad, too, because this team had so much promise, but you got to turn around fast. Even in a 17-game season, you got to turn around pretty fast, um, which is you know, kind of... Um, it's remarkable, but it's also where the, you know, the plight of the team is at this time. Um, let's flip to college for a, a, a moment, and we had the red the we had the Red River rivalry this weekend between Texas and Oklahoma, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, and I forgot the fourth team, Ohio State. Do you like those four in that order right now at this moment in college football wise? Yeah, people will like nitpick at what order they're in. Maybe Florida State could be in there as well. Um, they have a, a, a case, Penn State, Washington. 
and Oregon have a case too. Um, but as far as what I've seen, you know, Georgia's going to gain that that opportunity at number one just because of what they've done, and they deserve it, right? Back-to-back national champions, they're going to sit there. Michigan's been pretty dominant in all the games they've played. They haven't really played anybody, but they've been pretty dominant. Texas has one of the best wins on the season, going to Alabama, and they can only, you know, pad their resume this weekend uh, with the win. And then, you know, Ohio State and Florida State, they have some good wins too on the, on their on their resume. Um, I anticipate some movement the next couple of weeks here, especially where you know Ohio State looks a little bit vulnerable. They have Penn State coming up soon, so right there we'll get an answer as to who's going to be able to stay on top there. Um, but Texas, I think this is like the week for Texas, right? If Texas wins this week, yeah. they should be cemented in the top four unless they trip up. I don't see that happening with their schedule, but that's the way I look at it. And what I was going to ask you is, who can, can Texas afford a loss here? Can they be okay because of what you laid out to the point where we're already talking about a team that can have one loss and still make it into the playoff? I don't think this is an area where you want to lose if you're Texas. You want to hold that tiebreaker off of Oklahoma. Um, the last, the only team I think that Texas could slip up against is Kansas State. Hmm. Now, a loss to Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma probably will slip up during, the Big 12 does this every single year, right, where they just, you know, kind of just go back and forth and, and up and down with everything, but Oklahoma's schedule after is much easier than Texas's, I believe. They they only have to play, you know, UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU, and, and none of those teams really on paper right now scare me. I think if Texas wins today, they pretty much, I think you lock them into that Big 12 championship game unless something dramatic happens with them and they absolutely lay stinkers in, in certain games but this is a game I think for them that you got to circle and win Oklahoma's doing the same thing though uh, on their end and they were completely embarrassed in this game last year so I expect this game to be tight it's always a crazy game when these two teams play I expect a very hard fought game Texas is the better team but I think Oklahoma might be a little bit hungrier just given what happened last year and, and the way that they were talked about last year to come out, make a statement, and show that they are that much more improved than they were last year. Real quick, does the fact that this game is at the Cotton Bowl make any difference in your mind? No, it's, it's there every single year. It's an even Oops. split. Bad job. Right? I, I think it's one of the unique things that we have in, in college football, you know, Anything with the realignment that doesn't seem to go be going away, they should be playing each other every single year, hopefully, in the same type of setting. Uh, but it's it's a pretty unique environment, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it goes one way for any of the teams. I think it's a pretty even split down the middle. Daniel Flecker with us on teeing it up. Bama, A and M. Is this Bama's last shot? If they lose to A and M, are they out out out, or are they already out 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 in your mind? They're not out at all because they win tomorrow, they win the West most likely. 
LSU, I don't think it's that good. Um, they, they blew a golden opportunity last week against Ole Miss to really kind of cement themselves the top there, the SEC West. I think the winner of this game wins the SEC West. So both, you know, they're both at one loss. Assuming that they all are able to, you know, they're able to go into the SEC championship game with a one-loss record, that opportunity for them to become, you know, the fourth team in the playoffs still remains alive. Because I think the Pac-12 is going to eat itself, and you'll get either a one-loss or two-loss champion there. The Big 12 will eat itself at some point, and unless Texas can come on, you know, unless the team gets unscathed there, then, you know, there's an opportunity and the Big Ten, I think, too, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan all play each other. It's sort of a round robin. Whoever makes it to the Big Ten championship game has an opportunity to make the playoffs. So I think it's more wide open than people realize this year, uh, considering the way that we've had college football be the last couple of years where it's just been, a, you know, pencil in, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, and, you know, maybe a, an outside team like Notre Dame, Cincinnati, whomever. But I think it's more wide open than ever. And, yeah, Georgia's been good. They haven't been great. They're not as good as they have been in the past. So there's opportunity there for the SEC West to maybe steal that bid, steal that championship, and, you know, make it to the college football playoff. Daniel Flicker with us here on Teeing It Up. So on that note, let's now look at the college football slate. What else has you... uh, Interested and has you tickled as we look at this. And and, and, and by the way, we should note you nailed the uh, demise of uh, of uh, Colorado. They may spoil some people, but they are no longer a factor in that Pac-12. Yeah, they were never going to be. Um, so it was interesting just to see the fanfare and, and the, the way people talk about a game. I don't think that they all really watch at the end of the day. But um, no, they have they. Now they're entering a part of their schedule where they can kind of bounce back a little bit. We'll see if they can do that. But, you know, for this week, I think LSU-Missouri is a very interesting game. Missouri's been kind of flying under the radar, but they've been pretty solid this year. LSU, like, can you save your season or, or are you going to lose it completely? I think that's going to be a very interesting game on, the, on that side. Um, speaking of the Pac-12, Washington State-UCLA, another very interesting game. Uh, for those of you that have the Pac-12 network, you'll be very lucky to watch that game. Uh, although I think the Pac-12 network doesn't even exist. I think they just write it. Um, but that's an, that's an interesting game because I, I think, you know, which one of those teams can potentially be that spoiler? Uh, both teams have had some tough games and have, you know, Washington State, I believe, undefeated. UCLA suffered a tough loss at Utah, but... I think that's just a, a really good game. I think really two good teams. It's a shame we won't be able to watch it. Um, right, Georgia, Kentucky, another one. Now, is Georgia beatable? Probably not at home, but you know they've kind of had these last couple of weeks where they've not been so sharp. You know, are they going to be able to do that? Just turn it on every single week against some of the teams they're playing. We'll see. I mean, Kentucky had a really big game last week uh, against Florida. It may have been like their best game to play all season, but at the end of the day, you know, Georgia is one of those teams that's going to get every team's best shot. So we'll see if they can. I think play sixty minutes. I think that's that's the interesting thing. There is can they be on for sixty minutes? 
I think the last good game of the slate, it's kind of a weak slate this week, is Notre Dame-Louisville. Um, Notre Dame hasn't been as strong the last two weeks on offense. Uh, their defense has really kept them in these games. Can they kind of put things together here and, and maybe make a case for being part of those conversations that they're going to be having starting soon about the college football playoff? No, they still have USC and Clemson on their schedule, and USC's next week. So, you know, another game's entered as part of their schedule here where they're going to be looking at four straight primetime games against ranked opponents. They bounced back last week. They blew the lead, though. Can they maintain it? Because next week's a really, really big game. Um, so I think that's the last game on the slate this week that really inspires any sort of intrigue. I think the rest of the slate's pretty middling, to be honest with you. Okay, now flipping to the pros, have you heard about the Jim Nance curse this week? I think you sent something to me. Yes. The um, Vikings... Minnesota... Yep. Yep. They have not won in ten years when uh, Mr. Nance has called a Vikings game. They have been outscored one seventy-one to sixty-nine over those last six games. Does it continue on Sunday, sir? I believe so, just because of who they're playing. Minnesota is just not not strong enough, I think, defensively to give Kansas City a scare that maybe we we saw last week. And I think her Cousins is also starting to feel the pressure of, of carrying that team. He had a really bad game last week. Thankfully, the defense was able to make a play, but he also gave up a pick six. That made that game a little bit, you know, scary on their end. So I don't think Minnesota has the consistency to, to really go up and down with, with Kansas City. I mean, they could. I mean, they, Justin Jefferson can do a lot of things a lot of people can't do. Um but I just worry that, that Kirk Cousins is, you're, they're just relying on him too much, and eventually, you know, we kind of see that he can at times just force things and, and really kind of put the game away for his own team with him trying to get them back into it. As we are talking, the Broncos have traded Randy Gregory uh, and a seventh round pick to the 49ers for a sixth round pick. So Randy Gregory to. Uh, San Francisco, your instant thoughts on that trade? Yeah, I think that's just more of a depth trade for 49ers. Randy Gregory, you know, hasn't really done a lot since he left Dallas, and you know, he's had kind of an interesting career to begin with. I think the 49ers just saw an opportunity here to buy low on a on a individual that they can put in their system and just give them some more depth at what it is that they do well, which is getting after the passer. So for them, it's a, it's a no-brainer. And then the other uh, trade here, which is the, Clace, sorry, the Chase Claypool trade um, to uh, uh, the uh, Dolphins, giving them another weapon um, as his time in Chicago ends under suspicious circumstances. If you're a Dolphins fan, I would think you got to look at that and go, okay, we get another guy back, uh, and, and, uh, another weapon in here. This is fun. Yeah, he's another one. He's had a weird career. He, he burst onto the scenes with the Steelers and then fell out of favor there. Got traded for a second-round pick. Didn't do anything in Chicago. We'll see what he does in Miami. I don't know if he's going to make that much of an impact for them, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the offense runs through Tyreek Hill. Um, 
But again, just more depth for a team that's vying for an opportunity to play deep into the postseason. You, just, you know, it's a war of attrition out there. You need to have bodies, and you have to have bodies you're comfortable putting in there. So for them, again, it's just a no-brainer. Like, let's add somebody we know that can do certain things, and when the time comes, we'll call up, call up upon it. But at least we know we have them in our back pocket. What on this NFL slate uh, interests you? We got about four minutes left here. What um, on this slate is of interest? Besides seeing yes. if Zach Wilson can uh, play well. <laughs> yeah, I think the London game is interesting. Uh, you know, Jacksonville's been blah. Um, they're really talented, but they haven't played together. Buffalo had a really emotional game, I think, on Sunday. How does that translate to them traveling You know, across the Atlantic to go play in London? Do they maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit? You know, I, I think that game... Could be a potential playoff matchup, depending how that how everything shakes out. And I'm correct me if I'm oh, oh uh, sorry, uh, uh, sorry there, Danny, but correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time Jacksonville has played in London back to back, correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So it's an interesting test, also in 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 that way of okay, you a team, you fly over, you play, now you sit in this foreign place for a week. How does that translate? Same time yeah. zone, everything like that. Yeah, and I think Houston is an interesting game against Atlanta. Houston's been really good. They've been really impressive. I, I, I watched a little bit of their game last week against Pittsburgh. You know, Stroud has been great. Um, that defense is is playing well. You know, D'Amico Ryan seems to have understood what his task has been at Houston so far. He's done a really good job getting that team to play, I think, above their talent level, uh, given everything that they had, you know, going into this season. He's done a really good job so far over there. Um, big game of the week, obviously. San Francisco-Dallas. I think San Francisco needs this game to say to the world enough with everybody else. <laughs> you know, Dallas, I was doing my research on this game from a betting perspective. Dallas has scored 120 points this season. Or 128, something like that. Can you guess how many are scored? Were scored off of the defense? Do you think they will? Thirty-three percent of their points have come directly from a turnover or a defense scoring. That's not sustainable. No, not sustainable. And I, and I just don't think Dallas, as opportunistic as they have been on defense. I don't think that translates to being a good defense. I think that translates into there's some luck involved, there's some situations involved, there's also some stupidity involved. I mean, look at the, the throw back Jones made last week that was returned for a pick six. That was just him being dumb. They also had a fumble return from the 10-yard line for a touchdown. I don't think a lot of what they're doing is repeatable. The one game they did not get a turnover on defense they lost. I don't think they're getting that against San Francisco. I think San Francisco is just too good. They're going to make Dak look uncomfortable, and I just think the way that San Francisco has been spreading the ball around and running the ball with Christian McCaffrey, I just don't think Dallas will have an answer for that. I just don't, I'm not as high on Dallas as people are just because they've blown out. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and, and Daniel Jones. And just to put an ice on the cake there, the way that San Francisco runs the ball, it's a big time of uh, possession deal, and you yeah. can and and you can keep Dallas off the field that way 
if you believe in Tony Pollard and everything that this you know Cowboys offense has. So, no, I'm I'm with you there that that that's unsustainable. Micah Parsons though is a problem, and if you don't somehow find a way to choose to sustain or at least um, calm. Micah Parsons, he can be a big old nuisance, as the Jets saw. Yeah, what I think the Niners are going to do is that they're going to run at him. Hmm. They're going to run at him, make him, make him forget what he what he does best, which is rush rush the passer. The more you run at him, the less aggressive he's going to be. I think that's the game plan they're going to take. Then from there, you go off play action, and you can throw it to Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, McCaffrey. You know. You know, I could go out there and catch passes for them. They just just do a really good job of scheming up things offensively. We shall see how it all plays out. Uh, Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on Team Up and previewing this active week with us. Yeah, of course, no problem, man. And have a, you have a great weekend, and everybody else out there have a great football weekend.